0: In the fifth season of this podcast, we'll be exploring some great works of literature that have something to suggest to us about the nature of authenticity. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, authenticity is the quality of being real or true. The Delphic Oracle instructs, know thyself. The gadfly, Socrates, tells us that the unexamined life is not worth living. To thine own self be true writes the Bard. The hermit of Sils Maria, Nietzsche, counsels us to avoid herd morality and instead to become who you are. Mark Twain offers up the sage advice that if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. And Kurt Cobain tells us, in a way that only he can, to come as you are. So what is it? What is authenticity? Well, no better place for some answers than to turn to the writers and the poets. This is the wisdom of, and this is episode two Bob Dylan.
1: Yeah, a little, little peek behind the peek behind the curtains on this one. This is probably the strangest episode we've done. You know, we're tackling a musician here. And it's really not going to be as hyper-focused on any specific work, or even the artist himself for that matter. It really is kind of using him as a way of discussing a certain aspect of authenticity. You know, a a long, long time ago when I was a young and impressionable guy, you know, notions of selling out were really, really in the cultural zeitgeist. And that, at least to me, it doesn't feel like it's the case anymore. And it was always a very complicated concept, I think, that really didn't get its due. And of course, when you think about selling out, authenticity has to come up. So in this episode, you know, ostensibly about Bob Dylan, it's kind of going to look at, you know, how he fashioned his career and what we can examine by looking at various points in his career and what points exactly to authenticity. Yeah, exactly. So before we do that,
0: though, let me just briefly mention a few things by way of introduction. So for those who don't know, Bob Dylan is an American singer, songwriter, born in 1941. He's generally viewed as one of the greatest songwriters of all time. He's been making music for over 50 years. In 2016, he was recognized for the extraordinary power of his poetic lyrics by receiving the Nobel Prize in Literature. He's been touring virtually nonstop since the late 1980s. Actually, you and I had the good fortune of seeing him, a couple of years ago.
1: I think most people are familiar with the well-worn phrase, good artist copy, great artists steal. But rather than spending any kind of time on that quote, I'm going to look at a quote that's much more specifically related to Bob Dylan himself. And it came from Joni Mitchell. She said about Bob that we are like night and day, he and I. Bob is not authentic at all. He's a plagiarist, and his name and voice are fake. Everything about Bob is a deception. So what's your take on that? Like, How much does that really say about Bob Dylan and his entire career and his various personas? Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that quote before.
0: So what does it say? Well, as is, I think, well known, Dylan has, on more than one occasion freely borrowed from others, and even been accused of plagiarism. Something, by the way, that wouldn't have bothered anyone before the 17th century, because, well, originality just wasn't highly prized before then. But that's another story. Anyway, I mean, just to mention a few things that Dylan did. When he started playing in high school, he was playing covers. His first albums consisted of mostly covers, or Adaptations of old folk and blues songs. Soon after this, he took up the identity of a of a Woody Guthrie crusader for civil rights, even adopting his persona to some extent. Um, lyrics from his album Love and Theft were verbatim copies from the autobiography of a Japanese author. In his 2006 album Modern Times, he pulled passages from uh, classical poetry, uh Confederate verse, and a blues song from the 1940s. His Nobel Prize lecture was rife with partial quotes from, of all things, cliff notes. And again, this is only scratching the surface. There are innumerable instances of this sort of stuff in Dylan's career and in his art. So, What are we to make of this? In particular, these seeming artistic thefts. Well, maybe we could start by going back to Aristotle. I mean, after all, Aristotle tells us that imitation is natural to human beings from early childhood, and that that's how we come to learn things. In other words, we watch others around us, we do as they do, and that's how we learn to do those activities. And eventually, of course, we do them in our own way. Now, I don't think it's much different in the arts. Here, too, imitation is the most important learning and teaching resource. I mean, don't the art teachers demonstrate while the students copy and imitate? Um, painters copy famous paintings and drawings, no? Writers copy masters. I mean, for example, Arthur Miller says he copies the plays of Shakespeare. And I don't think the fact that most original artists are those most immersed in the work of their masters is a contradiction. No, in fact, I think that their originality seems to grow out of a deep competence and understanding achieved in part and initially through their imitation. I mean, Picasso. Who famously said that all art is theft, did something like this. What he did is he, well, he pretty much directly copied some African masks that he discovered in the Museum of Ethnography in Paris and used them for some of the faces of the women he painted in his The Young Ladies of Avignon. Now, in its entirety, This work is one of the most, if not the most, original painting in history. Yet it bears the evidence of artistic theft. But my point is, this doesn't matter. And that's because Picasso transcended this influence to create something new and unique. So why shouldn't something like this also apply to Dylan? I mean, Dylan doesn't simply duplicate and leave it at that. No, he embeds what he's borrowed or copied in something larger of his own creation, be it the Nobel Prize speech or something else. In this sense, then, he transforms what he takes from others and turns it into something else, something that bears his own stamp. You know, T.S. Eliot said that A young poet copies his heroes while a mature poet steals from them. I think this is an important distinction and it's applicable to Dylan. Now, what I mean is this playing all cover songs when you're young and inexperienced makes sense. And this is, at the end of the day, a kind of copying. But as a mature artist who now has to some extent established their own identity, to take from others is no longer copying but a kind of um a kind of calculated theft that recognizes that to bring out the best in one's own hearth requires a small piece that belongs to someone else but you know what now that i think about it maybe at the end of the day borrowing from others is not such a big deal because well really everyone is saying the same sorts of things anyway. I mean, don't we all draw from the well pool of human universals? So, is anyone really saying anything entirely new or original? So maybe Ecclesiastes is right. Maybe what has been will be again, that what has been done will be done again, and that there is nothing new under the sun. If so, fidelity to the human condition teaches us that there really are no copyright issues.
1: So, you know, when I'm examining Bob Dylan, we come again and again to what is he? Like, is he Robert Zimmerman, the little Jewish boy from small town Minnesota? Or is he really the proselytizing born again Christian from got to serve somebody? Is he the earnest, folky, Guthrie acolyte, or is he the, you know, super speedy, you know, perhaps chemically, I don't want to judge, electric guitar wielding, alienating those folks by playing effing loud? Maybe he's the rural homebody tucked away from the spotlight, churning out the basement tapes. Or is he the guy in a pre-COVID time who spent decade after decade after decade on what was dubbed the never-ending tour? Never mind getting into the idea that he is this rambling troubadour that just seemingly wants to play for the people that gets played off against the idea that he just sold his catalog for some ungodly amount of money. Is this fakery, uh, mask wearing or the mark of an easily influenced fella? Or is it the authenticity of a human who's willing and capable of evolving and changing? Yeah, all good
0: questions. Well,
1: let's start with his
0: name first. Now, as most people who are fans of Bob Dylan know, Dylan is not his real name. Dylan was born, as you said, Robert Zimmerman in Duluth, Minnesota in 1941. It wasn't until 1962 that he officially had his name changed to Bob Dylan, probably an homage to Dylan Thomas. But this wasn't his first attempt at a change of name. In fact, as early as high school, he considered various formulations of his real name. At one point, regarding his name change, he's reported to have said that what he wanted was to have little left of his identity in it. And it wasn't just name changes. In his move outwards and upwards, Dylan also severed himself completely from his Jewish middle-class upbringing. Actually, maybe what he said much later in his life summed up all of this. He said, quote, you're born, you know, with the wrong names, with the wrong parents. I mean, that happens. You call yourself what you want to call yourself. This Is the land of the free. End of quote. You know, maybe authenticity is not something about you that you're born with, but something that you create for yourself. After all, you're born the product of your parents' genes. And during childhood, you grow up in an environment, say in a Jewish home in Duluth, Minnesota, that's not at all of your own making. None of this, it would seem, is hardly original. None of it is authentically you. Actually, now that I think about it, the French thinker Simone de Beauvoir might be relevant here. She's interesting because she's one of the few philosophers who emphasizes and discusses the importance of adolescence vis-à-vis childhood. She says that childhood is a universe which has been set up before the child gets there, and totally constructed without their help. And not only this, but it's a it's a place that comes replete with ready-made values. But she says at adolescence, however, things start to change. Now the child, the adolescent, starts to understand that her given world has been the creation of others. Parents stop appearing as gods, and one after another the stage sets collapse. She now understands that for the first time she will have to choose and to act and to participate in her own formation and in the creation of the world. This is the most difficult and heaviest of times, says de Beauvoir, as the adolescent will have to own up to things to assume responsibility. She can no longer return to the... um security of being that marks childhood. Anyway, so to get back to Dylan, maybe it's true, as his quote about calling himself whatever he wants might suggest, that there is no blueprint to authenticity. That who you are has little to do with where you're from. Maybe your past does not determine your future. Maybe you have to decide who and what you want to be. So, maybe you only truly become yourself if you freely choose yourself. As Jean-Paul Sartre says, You are free, therefore choose, that is to say, invent. So, basically, you want to readily fashion yourself in your own image, not in someone else's, which would include your family's. In other words, it would be inauthentic and regressive to mold yourself according to what has gone on in your past and to allow it to to hold sway over you. After all, you're not responsible for what happened in your childhood, right? To stay bound to your past is to stymie your self-development and self-creation. And what's more, it's not just about trying to break free from your past— but also about breaking free from any external influences, social ones included. After all, to be fully yourself, to not have your identity swallowed up, you sometimes have to break free from the crowd, or as Heidegger puts it, the collective they with a capital T. Well, related to this, on the night of July 25th, 1965, Bob Dylan walked onto the stage at the Newport Folk Festival. But this time, instead of his usual acoustic guitar, he was carrying an electric Fender Stratocaster. And then with some of the loudest music ever heard there, Dylan and his band broke into the first song with the opening line, I ain't gonna work on Maggie's farm no more. Now, what happened after this was, well, a kind of chaos. The crowd of folk purists there to see him were absolutely shocked. To them, this was heretical. It was a betrayal of the larger idealism of the counterculture of that time. The crowd began to boo him off stage. Some tried to cut the sound cables. So what was Dylan doing here? Well, obviously, I have no way of knowing, but it seems to me that at the very least, he understood that to create and to invent oneself means recognizing the importance of breaking away from the ideals and influences of others. I mean, he's always been a bit of a loner, right? And this is important. It's important because, as Kierkegaard noticed, an incapacity for separation and quiet reflection cuts us off from our true self, and instead forces us to adopt by passive absorption the views and sensibilities of those around us. And then if this happens, where and who are we exactly? Well, nowhere and no one. To be part of the crowd is to be but an abstraction, not an individual. Actually, Dylan himself warns those of us who prefer to live in the past and are weary of forging new paths. I mean, in his song, It's All Right, Ma, he tells us, He not busy being born is busy dying. Now, all this said, I have to say that I still have my reservations and doubts about some of these episodes in Dylan's life. I mean, on the one hand... Maybe it's true that those who booed him were to some extent conformists and stuck in the past. And so maybe his defiance in the face of their expectations was the expression of genuine invention and authenticity. But maybe not. Maybe those belonging to the crowd of that time did actually represent a kind of natality and hope for a better future. And Dylan's opposition to them was nothing more than an aging act of celebrity, an act not only afforded him by his wealth and power, but calculated to increase it. Again, I have no idea. But if it's true, it certainly wouldn't be the only time he's been accused of selling out or of betraying the kind of integrity he seemed at one time to be the avatar of. But wait, now I'm beginning to question myself again. What I mean is, why exactly should Dylan's authenticity come under suspicion because of these sorts of things? After all, maybe he's not the same person as he used to be when he was that skinny kid singing Blowing in the Wind and other protest songs although in typical fashion he denied that they were protest songs. I mean, in a technical sense, of course, nobody's the exact same person they used to be. Not if we mean by this that we retain our exact identity over time. No, there's no strict identity over time because, well, we never share the exact same properties along the various stages of our continuum. So, We might be similar to our past self, but never identical to it. But anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if authenticity is characterized in the way that we have, as something like freely choosing yourself independent of your past, then maybe I shouldn't be so hard or so skeptical about Dylan's seeming inconsistencies. And that's because maybe Dylan's authenticity consists in his very unwillingness to compromise his freedom to create anew, in his creating without at all being tethered to the past, including his own. Actually, this reminds me a bit of Orestes in Sartre's play, The Flies, when he's made to exclaim, I am my freedom! I think what Orestes partly means when he says this is that since he doesn't see his past as determining his future, he really has no fixed identity, or what amounts to the same thing, that he can create his identity anew at any moment. Anyway, if something even close to this, this sort of constant reinvention of oneself, if this characterizes Dylan, it still seems pretty radical. And the reason for this is that There's obviously little wholeness or even much of an underlying substance here at the end of the day. I mean, usually when we think of the authentic person, we think of someone who pulls the the various strands of themselves into a coherent entity, someone who gives their disparate character coherency and an artistic plan, to quote Nietzsche. Or at the very least, we think of something like an underlying and enduring self that yields consistency, and so a self that we can look back on and be responsible for and held accountable to. But in Dylan, we don't really see much unity or consistency. I mean, his public personality has waxed and waned over the years. The answers he gives are always different and often contradictory. He's changed his singing voice from time to time. He's always experimenting with various musical genres, you know, folk, rock, country, gospel. His lyrical style has changed over time. And most astonishingly, even though he plays some of the same songs a thousand times over, he doesn't ever play the same one in the same way. There just doesn't seem to be any, well, any grand unifying theory of Dylan. I don't know, but it seems like the only thing that endures about Dylan is, well, change and creativity. It's the only constant thing about him. Like Heraclitus, he never steps into the same river twice. His is no static universe. If he's the avatar for anything... It's the fundamental law of the cosmos that everything is in flux. Truly, the times they do change, and few heed that more consistently, and I would say more courageously, than Dylan, or whatever he wants to be called. After all, as Dostoevsky said, taking a new step, uttering a new word, is what most people fear most. to the wisdom of podcast if you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general visit wisdomofpod.com and as usual we love to read your questions and comments reach us at info at wisdomofpod.com or on twitter at wisdom underscore pod our next episode james joyce